You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter number 4 in your Bibles this morning. And I think that song goes along with the message talking about just walking on for Jesus, even when circumstances and trials and things are against you, you just got to keep walking on for the Lord. And I want to talk a little bit about trials this morning with you. Philippians chapter number 4 in your Bibles. Philippians chapter number 4, in fact, will be talking this morning uh, about the, the issue of trials. We'll get there in just a moment. But, hey, I just wanted to say thank you so much for um, your, your kindness and generosity uh, for my birthday this past week. It was on Wednesday, and uh, I tried to give everybody a text and just say thank you. If I missed you, I am sorry, but I want to say thank you so much for your generosity and your kindness and the, and the notes and, and the cards and all of that. There were a couple of gifts as I went home that I couldn't find a name on or a card, and, and, and I didn't see a name. So if you didn't get a text, um, I'm sorry, maybe something got mixed up there when, uh, when we brought them home, and we kind of stuffed everything into a bag, you know, so I apologize for that. But uh, I just wanted to say thank you for, for how uh, you guys spoil our family, and we're so, we have such a great giving church, and many people... Got uh, so we had some folks give us. It seemed I I was going through and I and we got some gift cards and I noticed that it really seems like you guys know me really well because the gift cards I was given I was like, mm-hmm, yeah that's the one right there and uh, and so thank you so much for for doing that. You 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 guys are a blessing to me and I hope you'll be here tonight. Uh, the food tonight's gonna be amazing. It was last week. It was so great last week and uh, looking forward to it tonight as well and then the games and all that. Come back and fellowship. Yes, you do need fellowship, okay? So be here tonight. Philippians chapter 4, let's jump in here. We're finishing it today. We started on, I think it was January 6th or January 9th. We started, I did the introduction message to Philippians. And we started in Acts chapter 16. And I preached that whole message then about how the Philippian church was started. And uh, and this thing is tall, it's kind of... Locking your view over here. You guys can't even see me behind this thing, right? So uh, let me just get that down there. But uh, we started that, and then the next week after that, we, we dove right into the book of Philippians. So we've been there since January, and this is not like the book of Romans, which took like two years, okay? We did six months or seven months on, on Philippians, and I hope that it has been a blessing to you over these past months and, and that uh, it was uh, going through it was informational but also transformational, and that's been my hope and prayer, and to give you a better understanding of the Word of God, give you some nutrition in that way. The truths that are going to be in these verses today, here's my disclaimer. The truths that we will see when you read these verses, they're not going to just jump out at you. We're going to have to do some thinking. And so when I read these verses, it really took me, <clears throat> you know, what I've been teaching on Wednesday about studying the Word of God, that uh, it really took me some time where I had to take my notepad, and, and I think better when I walk, when I walk around. I don't know. Like, it's like in the shower and when I'm walking around. Those are when the greatest ideas come for me. So I normally take my notepad and I walk around, whether it's my office or at the house, and I'm thinking, and I'm like, okay, why are these verses here? What's being said in these verses? What can we learn from these verses? And, and so I'm going through that in my mind, and God just really brought me to... A couple of thoughts that I think will be a help to you today. <clears throat> and before we read them, can I just remind you the setting of this letter? 
Paul is in a Roman prison. He's chained to security guards, prison guards, that are on a rotation. They stay with him. We don't know how many hours, but they would stay with him. And the next guy would come in and be chained to him as well. He's suffering. He is in pain. He is in prison. And he's suffering. And prison in America is not the same as prison in Rome in A.D. 64 or whatever it was, okay? We understand there's a little bit difference uh, of prison nowadays. If you want to think about prison like what they went through, try to imagine like Siberian prison or Russian prison or something like that. It was much worse than what we had today. He's suffering in pain. And yet through this entire book, the theme has been Christ, joy, and mindset, and so I want you to see some things today as, uh, you know, most people that were in, that if they were ever in the situation that Paul was in in this, in this book, they would be concerned with themselves. <clears throat> but Paul's concern in this book has been the church of Philippi, has been other believers. <clears throat> Excuse me. And as we look at these closing verses and as we remember the letter that we've studied here, what are some truths that we can learn? And I want to talk to you, preach to you a little bit this morning about this topic. Truths in your trials. Truths in your trials. Because this is Paul, and he is going through a trial. As you read the letter, it doesn't seem like it, because he's not complaining about it. But when we know the background and the history, we understand that Paul is going through it. Can I say, as I look out across our church today, I know some of you are going through it. Some of you, there are physical trials that you are facing right now. Some of you, there may be emotional trials. I know uh, Miss Diane lost her brother this last week. We've been praying for her. Uh, you know, uh, there, there are different types of trials. Some trials can be seen by everybody. Some trials only you and God know about. And maybe one or two others. Could be a heavy burden you're carrying. There could be some financial trial that you're going through. It could be, hey, the car just broke down. I've got no alternate. I've got no backup. I don't have the money to fix it. They're saying it's, I, there's things like that that come up. Let alone the normal cares and, of, of, of uh, work and family and, and all these type of things. And I'm not trying to be down today or be negative. I'm just, I want to be real to say I know that many, most, if not all, in here are going through some type of trial. And so what are some things that we see here that would be good for us to know and remember as we go through trials? And so I hope to be a blessing to you today. Let's pray, then we're going to read the scripture. Father, we ask for your blessing today upon this message, and Lord, that you would take it and use it in our lives to be a source of help and encouragement as we need it today. Lord, help us to have ears to hear. And maybe there are some today who don't they, they may not need this, need this message today, but they may need it next week. They may need it next month. And I just pray that we would remember the truths of Scripture this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's look at our Scripture here as we finish out this book. Philippians chapter 4, verses 20 through 23. We just got through with, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He concludes with that wonderful verse. And then he says, now unto God... And our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. I love how he doesn't end with that amen. He's like, wait, I got more to say. Uh, salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. By the way, he's in prison here and he's talking about the brethren that are with him. 
And, and, and I, I think there's something to be said there about fellowship. There's something to be said there about when you're going through trials, getting around other Christians. I, you know, that's definitely something we ought to consider there. And then it says, all the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now we're going to preach and, and talk about these verses. There's only four. Let's read them one more time. Let's read them one more time. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. What are some things? If we're looking at the trials that Paul has gone through and really the, the present trial in Paul's life. He has spent this whole letter talking about other people and talking about uh, uh, you know, how to care for the people at Philippi and how they're going to get through what they're facing. And, and, but now we're closing it. And our eyes are going right back to the author of this book, who, by the way, is pointing us back to Christ, of course. But what are some things we see in Paul's life that could help us in the trials? Here's what I want to say first of all. Number one, a truth for your trial. Your spirit is very important as you go through a trial. Your spirit is very important during a trial. Have we not seen in this entire book Paul referenced the word joy over and over again. How about uh, chapter 4, verse 4? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Wait a minute. Even when you're in prison, Paul? Yes. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Can I just tell you by personal experience, maybe it's not for you, but when I go through trials, one of the hardest things to do when I go through a trial is keep a positive spirit. It's just difficult. Maybe for, for you it's like, I've always got a fantastic spirit. Well, you pray for me then, okay? Because I'll tell you, when you go through a trial, sometimes the hardest thing to do is not talk about it all the time or, or, or to keep a positive spirit. But when you read the book of Philippians, boy, you see that Paul has maintained this optimism. He has maintained this trust in God even in the midst of some very heavy trials that he's going through. Now, that is also probably why he has the authority to tell us what to think about in chapter 4, verse 8. When he says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest. And by the way, he was thrown in prison for things that he, he, he was doing, but wasn't against the law. So he was, it was unjust what was happening to him. But he says, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, there be any virtue, there be any praise, think on these things. And you know why we can listen to Paul when he says that? Because he's practicing what he's preaching. He's in prison. And he's saying, hey, we got to keep a good spirit. Can I remind you of uh, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22? Proverbs 17, 22. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But the rest of that verse says, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. What's that talking about? It's like the very marrow in your bones. And I, I don't think this is just a, a, uh, uh, you know, a uh, what, what, uh, analogy. I think there is literal truth to this. Literal truth to a good spirit and a merry heart. Why do they bring dogs into hospitals? 
You know how dirty dogs are? I can't even go in without a mask, 17 shots, you know, my social security number and all this stuff, you know. I got to blood tests and fingerprints to go visit people. But here there is this labradoodle walking in. Did he get his shot? You know, or has he been tested? Where's his mask? Oh, no, it's okay. Because they're bringing him in to cheer people up. Apparently, I'm not very cheery. But you can watch. And, but by the way, like, who wouldn't want that? If you're in bed and you're all sick and you see this dog coming in, like, what's, why do they do that? Why is it that, 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 that some hospitals have comedians come in and, and talk to kids or talk to, and celebrities coming in to talk to kids? The Make-A-Wish Foundation where, where sick kids get to meet their celebrity and it brings joy into their life. Why do they do that? Because even though the medical world may not understand that it is a biblical principle, they have figured it out that happiness and, and joy and a merry heart works like medicine works for your body. If you're a negative person, and, and, and I, I believe if you're a negative person, you're probably going to be prone to more illnesses and sicknesses. Because your heart, it, it, the Bible says, your heart, it, 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 the merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And it is a medicine. But the opposite is also true. A broken spirit drieth the bones. When you lose spirit, when you lose heart, you lose health. What's the opposite? Well, I'll get to that in a little bit. So, so we'll talk about that a little bit. Matthew Henry said, the sorrows of the mind often contribute very much to the sickliness of the body. The sorrows of the mind often contribute uh, 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 very much to the sickliness of the body. I have a story I'd like to just read to you here just briefly. It's about Chippy the parakeet. Chippy the parakeet never saw it coming. He was peacefully perched in his cage, but the next moment he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. The problems started with Chippy's owner, who got uh, his cage and opened it up and took the attachment off the, uh, uh, the vacuum cleaner and stuck the hose of the vacuum cleaner into the cage. Well, as this lady did that, the phone rang. She turned to pick up the phone and Sippy, uh, Chippy, not Sippy, where's Brother Sippy? This was not about Brother Sippy. Poor Brother Sippy, this, this story just got a lot sadder. But uh, Chippy, Chippy, got sucked right up into the... Uh, now, that's all I'm going to think about for the rest of the service. Chippy got sucked right into that vacuum cleaner. The, the bird's owner about had a fit. She hangs up the phone. She turns off the vacuum. She opens up the bag, and there was Chippy, alive but stunned. And so she sees her poor little parakeet bird and does, a, what am I going to do about this? And so she grabs him, runs to the restroom, turns the faucet on full blast, and holds Chippy under the running water. She's watching as this water is just cascading over this bird. Then she realizes Chippy is soaked and shivering and, and freezing and shaking. And so she does what any compassionate bird owner would do. She walks over to the, the vanity there and grabs the blow dryer and just full force gives it to Chippy so that you know, he's, he's nice and, and clean and nice and, and dry now. Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. A lady was writing the article about this, and so she uh, talked to the lady and said, hey, uh, how's Chippy doing? And the owner said, well, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits and stares. 
You think like, well, it's not hard to see why. Sucked in, washed up, blown over. That's enough to steal the song from anybody. It feels like sometimes life can do that to us. Life can just bring us in, treat us rough, and just throw us right back out. But you know what? None of that should ever make a Christian lose a song. None of that should ever make a Christian lose their song. Why? Even through the midst of trials, there's something to praise God about. There's something to be happy about. There's something to rejoice. Can I just say, look, uh, don't lose your song. Don't lose your smile. All hope is never lost. All hope is never lost. And I want to say that because some people think hope is lost. When you lose hope, the, uh, look, if you have no hope, you know what that's called in a modern society? If you have lost all hope, it's called depression. But what I'm saying is all hope truly is never lost. No matter how, how dark the prison, no matter how bad the circumstances or the surroundings, as long as Jesus lives, there's hope. There's hope. Keep your spirit up. Do what you have to do to keep your spirit positive and to keep your eyes on Christ. Your spirit is very important during a trial. I'd like to say secondly, and I see that in Paul, I see through the whole chapter, through the whole book, that Paul has stayed positive and talked about joy over and over again. I see another thing. Another thing to remember during the trial is this. Remember that people are in need even while you are in need. Remember that other people are in need, even while you are in need. Oftentimes, we are only focused on one person in a trial, ourselves. Look at chapter 4, verse 19. Paul is talking to them, the people of Philippi, when he says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, probably Paul was able to say that because he had trusted in Christ for so long and knew that God would provide for his need too. But he said, I know you guys have got needs and, and you got needs over there and God's going to provide for you. Shouldn't they have been saying that to Paul? I mean, he's the one in prison. He's the one suffering. But you look through the book, he's concerned about Epaphroditus. You look through the book in chapter 3, he's warned them of the concision or false teachers. You look to the book and he is constantly uh, admonishing and encouraging other people as he goes through one of the most difficult times of his life. Look at verse 22, because th this is, is amazing to me. We, you, you, you may have just read over this and not stopped and caught what he said. Look at verse 22. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. What does that mean? He's in Rome. He's in Rome. He is uh, under the reign of one of the most wicked emperors, Caesars, to ever live, Nero. And Paul is saying, the believers in Caesar's house salute you. Can I ask you, how did there get to be believers in Caesar's house? I'll tell you how. Paul. That's how. How are there believers? Because Paul was in prison. And he's, what is he saying here? He's saying, even though he was suffering in a Roman prison, he found ways to witness. He found ways to share the gospel, even while he was going through. And, and, and how did that happen? You know, maybe it was people passing by. 
Maybe there were people that were, that were cooks or maybe they were uh, uh, you know, of the house. Or the, it could have been family members of Nero. We don't know who it was, but people in Caesar's house came by the prison somewhere. And Paul is leading people to Christ. Why? Because he knows that even though he's got needs, their needs are greater. Because his needs are physical in this day and age, but their needs are spiritual. And if they die without Christ, hey, he goes to heaven, he's saved. But if they die without Christ, they're in hell forever. And so what is he doing? He's saying, I've got needs, but can I talk to you about Jesus as they walk through? I, I, I would assume every prison guard got a two-hour lecture on the gospel when they're chained to Paul. Can you imagine being chained to Paul? Well, first thing I'd say, if I was chained to Paul, Paul, would you please explain Romans 9 through 11 to me? One more time. I know I preached it. I think I got it. I think I got a little bit. But what were you talking about, man? Okay. But he is given like full-on lecture. You know he was. Why? Because everywhere else he goes, he's doing it. And here he is witnessing and leading some of Caesar's household to Christ. And I don't know who it was, but he did. Hey, remember, you may be going through a tough trial on earth. But again, just like with Paul, your trial ends here when you die and go to heaven. But if we let our trial blind us to the needs of somebody else without Christ, then we are saying that this earthly trial that lasts, it's, it's, the Bible calls a light affliction for a moment, pales in comparison to what they're going to face when they die without Christ. And we have got to remember that even though I have a need, even though you may be suffering, even though you may be going through it, it's worse for them. They may have money, they may not be sick at all, but spiritually, it'll be worse for them. On Christmas Eve in 1910, General William Booth was getting up in age. He was the one that started the Salvation Army. Christmas Eve, 1910, <clears throat> and he was, he was an invalid at this time, and he was suffering in pain. He was near the end of his life, and they were going to have a convention. I think it was in New York. I'm not sure, but he was in London, and he, he could not make it, just couldn't travel. He was suffering. He was sick, and someone suggested, well, since you can't go, address all the soldiers of the uh, Salvation Army that are going out, and, and the Salvation Army is still in existence, of course, but much more back then it was about salvation, uh, and he said, they said, since you can't go, why don't you send a telegram to encourage the soldiers that are going? Because you know they want to see you, and, and since you can't be there, just send a telegram. So he decided, okay, I'll do that. His, his funds were limited, and he didn't want to. It cost every letter. Every letter you send in a telegram cost back then. I don't remember those days. But, uh, you know, and, and so he said, you know what? I don't want to waste money. I want all of the available funds to go to the needy. I will send one word. So he sent a telegraph of one word to all these people. And so the, the, the convention starts and people show up. They're, they're discouraged. It's been rough. And they're expecting to see their leader, General William Booth, walk up to the platform. Somebody comes out and says, folks, I'm sorry to announce to you that General Booth was too sick to travel. He won't be here today. And all these men and women just, ah, you, know, you could feel the, the pessimism. You could feel the, the, uh, the, the, the sadness and discouragement creep in. And then he said this. He said, but he sent a telegram. Everyone perked up and was listening. And he said it was one word. Some of you know what that word is. And he said the one word that William Booth, when he was writing it, and he said that I wanted to take one word to sum up my life and to sum up my mission on earth. And the word that he sent was the word others. Six letters. 
And he said, that's the word. That's what I want you to tell all these people. Others. Others. Now, that to me is an incredible story. Because what do most people do during the trial? It's not about others. It's about me. About what I'm going through. It's about how no one understands what I'm facing. And no one has been in my shoes. And if you were going through what I went through, you'd never be able to face it. I read an article from a sports star, John Wall, who plays, he'll be playing for the Clippers next year, for those of you Clipper fans who've suffered for years. Um, but uh, he, he will, uh, he'll be, and he said, he, said, he was talking in that letter in this article, and he said, you know, uh, you know, people couldn't face what I faced these past few years. I lost my mom and my grandma, and I tore my Achilles, and, and people couldn't face what I faced and come out of it. And I was like, are you serious? You know, that's That's sad. I'm sorry that he lost his mom. I'm sorry that he lost his grandmother. I'm sorry that he tore his Achilles playing a sport where he makes millions of dollars. But I feel like the people that are homeless on the streets of Long Beach may have a case against him. I feel like the people that are in third world countries that are swollen, their stomachs are distended because they haven't had food in weeks, I feel like they may have a case against John Wall in his mansion, okay? I'm not against John Wall. I'm saying the attitude sometimes of, I've been through worse than everybody else. And someone's like, hey, pray for me, I'm going through a trial. Well, you, hey, I, I, I've been through a bigger trial than you. Let, let's, let's compare. Why? Why? We ought to have the spirit of, man, I'm sorry you went through that. How can I pray? Others. Others. I've had people ask me for prayer for things that I'm like, in my mind, I know that it's not a big deal, but it's a big deal to them when I'm going through something I feel like is a huge deal. And, and you know, sometimes you want to be like, let me just tell you. You can't do that. It's about others. You know, some people tell everybody about their trial. Some people clam up and isolate themselves and don't tell anybody about their trial. And I think both of those are wrong. Because so, here's the thing. God wants to use your trial. Why is he sending you through it? He wants to use it. Maybe we should stop talking about our surroundings so much and start talking about our Savior. Because that's what Paul's doing. He's in prison. And he's like saying, hey, I'm, I'm in prison unjustly. No, He's witnessing. And he's seeing people saved. And he's saying, hey, all the brethren that are with me and all the saints of the house of, uh, of Caesar salute you. How'd those brethren get there? How'd those saints get there? I'm telling you. Because Paul was a witness. The gospel message is powerful. Remember Donna Murakami, Brother, brother Sheik's wife. It's just, I'd go see her in these different hospitals. And I'd come into this hospital. And, there, and she said, that nurse got saved. What? Yeah, I leave a stack of tracks here. I talk to that nurse. She got saved. I go, you know, she'd get out of the hospital, she'd go to another one. We go over there and I say, hey, Miss Donna, how you doing? That nurse over there just got saved two days ago. Really? Like, goodness. And, and then, how do you have time? And then I go to this one, and, and uh, this nurse got saved. And I'm working on this one. She says she's saved, but I'm trying to get her to come to church. And here she is, renal failure, going through all this stuff. And by the way, it's not just, I, I, many people, Brother, Brother Lonnie was the same way. I'd go talk to him. He, he, would, he would tell me, hey, this person, this person, would witness on this person, and many of you the same way. And I want to encourage you to say, hey, that's how it ought to be, because God wants to use that trial in your life to show others Christ. But we got to get our eyes off us. Easier said than done. I want to give you one more thought this morning. We said the spirit is very important during a trial. Remember that people are in need even while you are in need. And lastly, <clears throat> I've just been alluding to this, but I want to make it a whole point here. It is God's desire that we glorify him in the midst of our trials. It is God's desire that we glorify him in the midst of our trials. Look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. 
Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul's in prison. How is he giving God glory? I mean, if you think about it. Take your Bible. Go to John chapter 9 quickly here. John chapter 9. This is the only other place I'll have you turn. John chapter 9. I want you to look at John chapter 9 and just look at a couple verses here. <clears throat> Give you a thought. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. Here's what the scripture says. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That's a foolish question. But you know what? I can, I, you can kind of give them the benefit of the doubt because they didn't have the full New Testament like we have. But what are they saying? They're assuming that every malady that someone faces is because of their sin or their parents' sin. Well, in result, all suffering is a result of sin, because we're all sinners. We're all sinners. And, but they're saying, this particular thing here, God, did he, how could he have sinned? That he was born blind. The baby in, in the womb, what did the child do? You know, did it laugh at its mother in the womb? <laughs> what kind of question is that? Who did sin that he was born blind, this man or his parents? What does Jesus say? Jesus answered in verse 3, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents. In other words, it, it, it's not a result of that, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. That's powerful. Have you ever thought that trials that you go through may be because God wants to let his works be seen through you? To who? Who needs to see it? Lost people need to see it. Have you ever considered that when you went through something, it was because God wanted to show his glory through you? Wow. Remember, Brother Robin was telling me years ago, came back from the Philippines, had some kind of horrible sickness in the hospital, and he got put next to a man who was suffering as well. Brother Robin got talking to that man and got to lead him to Christ. I remember Brother Robin telling me, did I have to go through all of that just to reach that man? You know, it was worth it. The suffering. The suffering. It's an amazing thing. C.S. Lewis, of course, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia and all that, was an atheist and then trusted Christ as Savior. And he wrote a book about suffering. And he said, I suggest to you that it is because God loves us that he gives us the gift of suffering. He said, the blows of his chisel, which hurt so much, are what make us perfect. God's glory can be seen by an unsaved world through a Christian who goes through trials right. Did you know that? God's glory can be seen by an unsaved world through Christians who go through a trial right. And if you go through it the right way, that is a greater testimony for Christ than you'll ever know. Same author, C.S. Lewis, said this, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. 
speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. <laughs> Suffering is a megaphone to rouse. Why? Because people will listen to you when they know you've gone through it. God can use your testimony during tough times. There was an expedition to Mount Everest in 1924. A group of people went, and two of the climbers that were part of that expedition did not make it back, and they never made it to the summit. And somewhere along that trip to Everest, the, the, you know, the, the violent climate that is there and all of that you know, just over, overtook them, and, and they died. The expedition failed. So the rest of the expedition returned home, and, and in London they were addressing a huge meeting that had gathered about that expedition, to hear about that expedition. And so one of the men stood up and was telling the story about their failed adventure. And in that meeting hall, they had set up an enormous picture of Mount Everest behind the speaker. So, you know, we're talking about Everest and the expedition. And so there was this enormous picture there. And so as this man is giving testimony of what happened on that trip, he turned around, pointed to Mount Everest, the picture, and he said this. He said, Everest... We tried to conquer you once, but you overpowered us. We tried to conquer you a second time, but again, you were too much for us. But Everest, I want you to know that we are going to conquer you. For you can't grow any bigger, but we can. And of course, people did absolutely, and still do to this day, conquer Everest. God wants to take trials in our lives and grow us. It may look like subtraction, but it's actually addition and sometimes multiplication. And, and, but it may look wrong to us, but he can do that. But you've got to trust him. You have to give him glory. You have to let him use your life. And you have to let him show that glory to others through you. That's what you have to do. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good. To them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. And you say, well, pastor, how can we say that all things in my life work together for good? Because when I look at this event, it was pretty evil what happened to me. It was pretty terrible what happened to me. Can I ask you as we are winding down here, and I'll be done in the next couple minutes, how many coffee drinkers do we have in here? Coffee drinkers. Well, that woke some folks up. All right, some of you felt the need to put two hands in the air and a foot. All right, I don't know what that means, but, but goodness, uh, you'd have put both feet and both hands in the air if you could have. Okay, but uh, we've got some coffee drinkers. Can I ask you, you coffee drink? how many of you non-coffee drinkers, non-coffee drinkers like me? Okay, all right, there's the, there's the remnant, okay. But uh, how many of you coffee drinkers have ever said, that's a good cup of coffee? You ever had like a really good cup of coffee? You're like, every morning, this is what I do. And then four more times throughout the day, you know, with your addiction. But anyway, when you say that was a good cup of coffee, what do you mean? What do you mean by a good cup of coffee? Are you saying that the tree the beans came from is good? Are you saying the plastic bag or whatever it is that the beans arrived in is good? Are you saying the beans themselves are good? Are you saying the coffee maker is good? Are you saying the hot water is good? No, what you're doing when you say that was a good cup of coffee, the good comes from all the ingredients working together. It comes from the bag, it comes from the, the beans that are taken into the machine that grinds it. I don't know how you grind stuff, is this how you grind it? I don't know, to where you grind it. That's some of your coffee, you know they use their bare feet. Anyway, but. Uh, uh, you know, it's like the grape juice or whatever. I don't even understand that. But uh, what, what you're saying is all of these components 
mixed together, that's a good cup of coffee. What, what, what are you saying there? You're, you're saying that it, it's, uh, it's creating, everything working together creates something unique. It's the collective cooperation of all these things that produces something good. God is able to take all the ingredients of your life and, and, and work them together to bring out something that we would say, that's good. That's good. Now, one of the events may be evil. And, and, and this event may be something evil and sinful. And this happened to you and it's terrible. And it wasn't what God wanted. It wasn't the, in the initial plan uh, before Adam and Eve fell. But God is able to take that and take this and take this and take this and put it all together and say, I made something great out of this. And this is good. All things work together for good to them who are the called according to his purpose. As a Christian, God can take every event of your life and use it for his glory somehow. That's encouraging to me. So I want to encourage you this morning. Trust God. Trust him. Uh, give him glory in the midst of your trial. And as you do that, allow God to shine through you and to use that trial to help somebody else and to show the glory of God to somebody else. That's what I want to encourage you today as we close this book. What is God bringing you through right now? How is your spirit as God brings you through it? Have your eyes been on yourself or on other people that are in need even while you are in need? God will supply your needs, but there are other needs that you need to step in for. Are you giving God glory in the midst of your trial? And then I would just be remiss if I did not say, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, all things don't work together for good to those who don't know Christ. And today, if you are without Christ, you need to let someone here take a Bible and show you how you could know Jesus Christ. Our Father, I thank you for, even though, God, we would never ask for suffering, even though we would never ask for trials, Lord, certainly, if we are spiritually discerning, we can look back and say, God worked for good in this situation. And I pray, God, that we would not go through trials without learning our lesson. I pray that you would help us not to go through a trial without giving you glory and allowing you to show your glory through our lives.